0: April 13th edition of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap on KFGO.com. My name is Ryan Janke. I'm joined here by Corey Litton. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. So far, so good. We had some dirt racing out in Bristol last weekend.
1: That's right. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know you loved it. I I think it was one of the best races they've had at Bristol in a long time. So, I mean, uh, just by watching that one, they don't often go four wide. No, (laughs) that's true. That's true. I mean, I know they they rebanked the track a few years back, so it it uh you know it it does produce more multi groove racing because it used to be the the choo choo trainer on the bottom for yeah. the most part. But yeah, the the uh, I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I know I know you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a fun time watching it.
0: Yeah, we uh well we'll get well, yeah we'll get into that. Are you ready to get into that right now? Let's do it. Let's get after it. All right, so.
1: Sunday, April the 9th, Bristol Dirt Race. Stage one was 75 laps. Kyle Larson led the first lap, and Austin Dillon challenged for the lead early. On lap 12, the caution came out for an incident between Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, William Byron, and Todd Gilliland. Wallace spun out in turn number four, collecting Logano and Byron, with Logano hitting the sand barrels that protect the uh, drivers from the end of the pit wall. Um, That was the thing when I worked there uh, the last two years for the Bristol Dirt Nationals. We saw that happen quite a bit. That was a very, yeah. a very common incident out there. People kind of losing it, coming out of the corner and, you know, you just <laughs> knocking over those barrels, which are actually filled with ash. I should I should kind of say it like that because it's a little softer and really? it, it, it uh, disperses the energy a little bit better. So. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah after uh, they took some scoop shovels to it and put it back together and got back going and Byron tagged the back of uh, Logano uh Logano. That uh, also made contact with Gilliland, causing his le- his uh, left front tire to go flat. Uh, the race uh, restarted on lap 20 with Larson and Dillon battling hard for the lead again. Larson then put a gap on the rest of the pack till Matt Crafton spun out on lap 39, bringing out the race's second caution. Uh, uh, Crafton uh, now uh, basically, I think he's taken over the 13 ride over there for the Colleagues Racing uh, now. Um, or no, Rick Ware Racing. Excuse me. The race went back to green again on lap 45 with Larson again jumping out to a good lead with Richard Childress' teammates Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch battling hard for second. Bush took over second place just in time for the caution flag to fly for a third time when uh, Brad Keselowski spun on lap 59. The race resumed on lap 65, and you guessed it, Kyle Larson got a great jump. Dillon moved back to second with six laps to go in the stage. On the, the last lap of stage one, Josh Berry, Denny Hamlin, Todd Gilliland, and Ty Gibbs were involved in an incident with Hamlin uh, sustaining damage to his right front. Uh, Larson led every lap to win stage one, followed by Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Ryan Priest, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick, Justin Healy, and William Byron all getting stage points. And we moved on to
0: stage two. That was 75 laps. The teams were given six minutes to work on their cars at the stage break, but Tyler Reddick, Martin Truex Jr., Bubba Wallace, and Ty Dillon, they all stayed out to improve their track position. Reddick led the field back to the green with Wallace and Truex in tow as the rest of the field fought hard behind. Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest got into a little dust-up on lap 79 where Larson ran Priest up into the wall. On lap 81, Superman Jonathan Davenport spun by himself, bringing out the race's fourth caution. Redick again led the field back to green on lap 87, but the yellow flag quickly flew again, this time for Michael McDowell spinning out on the backstretch. That was for caution number five. Daniel Suarez went around on the backstretch on... on lap 96 restart and suffered some damage to the nose of the car. Joey Logano also had issues causing his right front tire to go down. Michael McDowell went around again and was able to make a save and continue. A.J. Allmendinger pancaked the wall in turn two all in the span of two laps and the race stayed green. That ended on lap 104 when Ryan Priest spun after his right rear toe link broke on the backside, bringing out the race's sixth caution. The race went back to green on lap 112, and Reddick checked out as the field went four wide. Four wide, Corey Litton. Yep, four wide. Uh, for the uh, For third place. The yellow flag flew for the seventh time on lap 126 for Brad Keselowski's second spin of the day. That helped Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Austin Dillon catch back up to Tyler Reddick. Reddick, Larson, Dillon, and Busch went four wide. Four wide again. Yep for the lead on lap 132 restart with reddick coming out on top eric jones spun two laps later but made the save and the race stayed green on lap 136 bush threw a dirty slider on reddick to take the lead bush bobbled on lap 142 and that was all reddick needed to get back by for the lead dylan took one last shot at the lead but reddick held him off to take the stage So it was Tyler Reddick getting the win, then Austin Dillon, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, Justin Haley, and Eric Almirola scoring stage
1: points to end Stage 2. And that brings us to the race to the finish, which was 100 laps uh, to go for the the end of that one. Uh, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, Eric Almirola, Todd Gilliland, William Byron, Michael McDowell, Denny Hamlin, Josh Berry, and Ross Chastain. All decided not to pit during the six-minute stage break. So Kyle, uh, so so Bell led the pack back to the green flag with 100 laps to go. Kyle Larson spun in turn four right in front of the Sugarland Shines party roof. Uh, that's on top of the media center. Okay. They have a party deck out there. <laughs> uh, bringing out the eighth, eighth caution of the race on lap 156, sending him back to uh, the back of the pack. And he had stayed out, too, so he kind of put himself in a tough uh, little bind right there. Uh, Bell again jumped out to a big lead uh, with 87 laps to go, 82 laps to go. Denny Hamlin joined the spin class. Like, see what I did there. Yeah, I do. Uh, with, I do. And <laughs> turn two and <laughs> clipped the wall. Hamlin was able to get the car going, which avoided another caution, which I, I thought that was pretty interesting also. A lot of people did that. A lot of people did just solo spins and just yeah. kept going. I thought that was pretty yeah, fun. It happened a lot. Yeah. <laughs> with with uh, 76 laps to go, the race's most heated moment took place when. When Ryan Priest gave Kyle Larson the receipt from their earlier skirmish, <laughs> sending Larson into the wall collecting Jonathan Davenport, who was one of those uh, dirt track. Superman. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Davenport, uh, bringing out caution number nine. He was one of the uh, the dirt track uh, ringers they brought in there, yep. or, or as Mike Joy was calling him, dirt track diggers. <laughs> uh, caution number nine came out on that one. The accident ended with Larson and Davenport's night. The race continued with 69 laps to go, and Bell once again jumped back out to the lead with 61 laps to go. Ross Chastain spun and continued, so the race stayed green. Uh, Bell stretched his lead out to over half of a second over Chase Briscoe, but the caution flag number 10 waved with 49 laps to go, and Noah Gregson hit the wall and spun out, and he hit hard. It was one of those things where the car just didn't turn, and he hit He hit. And then he tried to save it. He made it all the way down the back straightaway, without. uh, but he ended up spinning and kind of getting stuck on a dirtle. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Dirtle. uh, Bell led the uh, field back to green with 43 laps to go, uh, and Briscoe was hot on his heels. Briscoe stayed on Bell's back pocket as Tyler Reddick closed into battle with the 35 laps remaining in the race. Uh, Redick threw a slider on Briscoe and took over the second spot with about 27 laps to go as J.J. Yaley spun out in turn number two. Yaley uh, got it back going, and the race stayed green. Take a drink every time you hear that one. (laughs) I'm kidding. Don't do that. We we like our listeners to stay alive. Uh, A lap later, Briscoe hit the wall and lost two spots to Austin, Dillon, and Ryan Blaney. With 15 laps to go, Kyle Busch spun out, bringing out caution flag number 11. This set up an eight-lap dash to the end. On the restart, Blaney went around in front of the pack with the race day green. Nobody hit him. I couldn't believe Mm -hmm. that one. I I wasn't happy with the spin, but I was pretty happy he still was able to continue on. Uh, That allowed Tyler, Tyler Reddick to move into second place and make a charge on Bell, who was closing in on 175 laps on his tires. Wow. I mean, how many other racetracks does this happen, where they get 175 laps on one set of tires?
0: Yeah, it doesn't happen.
1: No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, not only that, 175 laps on gas, too. Uh, and and uh, that brings him to the uh, the last lap of the race.
0: All right, here we go. This is the call from NASCAR.com. Christopher Bell is going to lead his 98th lap of the race this time. And now Reddick draws a little bit closer. Takes so much discipline. delay on that cushion and stay out of that mirror. Dylan for third against Stenhouse and
1: Three wide behind them for fifth place. Redick had a good corner in one and two there. Listen, Christopher's not leaving that top right now. He there's no use for him to look in the mirror. The best thing he can do is focus straight ahead. White flag, white flag. flag Credit one bank. Crash on the back stretch. One car stopped against the inside wall. We're still going, still green, and he's
0: rolling. We're still green. Oh, uh, he's in the fence. Just staying on the outside. Caution's out. Caution's out. Caution's out. Stay low. Stay low. Christopher Bell. Race
2: is over. Comes to the flag and checkers wave over the Joe Gibbs
1: number 21. Hell Bell, yeah buddy, good DeWalt, job. Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota are going to victory lane. Finally, a dirt track driver
0: wins the dirt race at Bristol. <laughs> Finally, we talked to him in the pre-race and he answered that. He said, the reason is we keep wrecking each other. <laughs> well, he fixed that problem, got his big win Man, that was shaping up to be wild. Reddick was right on him. That was a right call. Had to throw the caution. Had a car right in the groove. But you got to give it to Christopher Bell. You knew one of these guys was going to eventually win this race. And it was a good chance it would be this kid.
1: Reddick again uh, closed in a bell as the white flag flew. But Ross Chastain crashed in turns three and four, bringing out the caution. That was the 12th one of the day and putting the end to the race. Christopher Bell took the win and did a Polish victory lap uh, right around the 30th anniversary of losing Alan Kulwicki, which I thought was pretty classy. Hmm. Uh, And he also dedicated the win to Justin Owen, who uh, tragically passed away this last weekend in a a racing accident. Uh, Tyler Reddick finished in second. Then it was Austin Dillon in third. Ricky Stenhouse fourth. Chase Briscoe fifth. Justin Haley sixth. Martin Truex seventh. Todd Gilliland eighth. Kevin Harvick ninth. Ty Gibbs in 10th. There was a lot of, uh, uh, Justin Haley, how about that one? Yeah. I mean, how many times have we said his name this year? Yeah, not many. I guarantee you all of the times we've said him today are all <laughs> the times we've said his yeah. name this, this season Combined, so far. Combined, so, yeah. Uh, and the, our uh, our guys didn't didn't fare <sighs> too well at the end of this one. I know. Um, But I came out uh, in front with my guy, Ryan Blaney, finishing in 23rd and your guy, Ross Chastain, in 28th.
0: Had trouble right there at the end.
1: Yeah, that, yep. that last one really did it in for
0: him. Yep, it did. So this is how the points shake out. Christopher Bell is in first with 281. Ross Chastain second, 13 behind. Third is Kevin Harvick, 26 points behind. Kyle L- Kyle Larson fourth, 39 points back. Tyler Reddick fifth, 46 points back. In sixth is Kyle Busch. He's 47 points behind. Seventh is Martin Truex Jr., 49 points back. Then Joey Logano in eighth, 58 points back. In ninth, Brad Kaslowski sixty-five points behind. And your guy, Ryan Blaney, in the top 10, 70 points back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that helps. <laughs> Both our guys are in the top ten yes. though, so yes. I mean, and yeah.
0: early in the season.
1: Yeah, I, I know Blaney led for most of the year last year, but it just kind of didn't work because he never won a race other than the All Star race. Right. So yeah, it's it's been kind of kind of interesting to see him towards the top uh, ten on this one because he hasn't really had that good of luck, but. You know when Hendrick drivers keep getting fined and and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and suspended yep. and stuff like that. Well, I shouldn't say suspended, but they get uh, they lose their points. They keep being naughty. Yeah, they keep getting caught cheating <laughs> or violating the rules. Violating the cheating rules. Uh, cheating yeah, implies that's, that's other strong. Things, but yeah, that, that is a strong word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's what's keeping our drivers alive in this one because, yeah, I don't remember yeah. last time Chastain had a really good finish either, but stage points have been helping.
0: Yeah, stage points have been helping. Yep. Early in the season, I think he finished he finished pretty well. Yes. A, a, a time or two, but yeah, it's yeah. been a while.
1: And we're only eight races in, yeah, so. Yeah, it's early. Yeah. Uh, uh, the ratings uh, for this weekend's races were 3.5 million viewers. NASCAR has been either number one or number two, the number one or number two sport of the weekend. In seven of the first eight points races so far this year. Okay. Uh, the Masters drew over 12, 12 million viewers. That was which, huge. Yeah, yeah. We kind of expect that one. Yep. A lot of I I put on put on golf all the time when I want to take a nap. <laughs> uh, it, it works wonders.
0: So uh, three and a half million. I I should have looked this up. I don't remember what the viewership was last week, but they were back to Fox. Yes. Not not a cable network this week. They were back to Fox. And I think this is more viewers than they had last week.
1: Yeah, I don't remember exactly what they had uh, last last year either. So it, it, I think it was. It, it might have been up. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I put them in my notes from last year or not. So yeah, it. Yeah, uh, according to Adam Stern on Twitter, he's the guy that I follow with on this one because he goes and does every sport. He does the 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 ratings what it draws, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of other stuff, too, a lot of other little goodies sure. of knowledge out there to yep. s- just show you how how popular our, uh, our favorite sport is. Yep. Um, uh, the one thing, though, I think I have, a, I have a, a one thing that I can figure out here. Or I have a couple ideas. Okay. I, I wrote them down in my notes here, or a different note thing. Um, what I would like to add to do a little bit more buzz into the uh, Bristol dirt race if they keep doing that um, as far as I know, they're gonna plan on keeping on doing it. Okay. So uh, which I'm fine with. More than fine with. Mm-hmm. Um I would allow all NASCAR teams to field an extra entry in okay. next year, as long as it went to a legitimate dirt racer. So like Jonathan Davenport, oh, I see. Donnie Shots, Tom Barry Jr., Ricky Thornton, Rico Abreu. also let them run their own numbers and their schemes on their cars too. Okay. So like Donnie's sprint car. Yeah. Uh, I think that that'd be awesome. Okay, it, 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 and with his number and his paint scheme and everything like that, I, I think that would look cool and obviously would drive up uh, merchandise so, sales. So you're a,
0: you're adding how many drivers to the field then?
1: I would say at least one per team. Team. So right. yeah, uh, however many teams there are in NASCAR. So like your Hendrick Motorsports, give him another yeah, car. Sure. Uh same thing with Roush, Fenway, Keselowski. That would uh, add what, 10, 10 to fifteen? Ten to fifteen cars. Okay. Where you get a good dirt racer out there. Sure. And someone that has name and uh, you know value yeah. that can add to the product out there, because that'll really help uh also keep the uh the fans going at each other too the rivalry between the dirt and the pavement right. people. What about, uh, what about taking it one step further and going heats
0: and making it a full dirt night, dirt, dirt race night.
1: Oh, I have an idea on that oh, okay. one too. All right. Um, I would say run it over two days, kind of like they do already, but one day is heats and qualifying features.
0: Okay. So, so you got this already. You're, you're yeah. ahead of the game here. Oh yeah.
1: Um, and you know, run it with dirt rules. Don't count, don't count the ca- caution laps.
0: Because, hey, yeah.
1: In my notes, you can tell how many laps they ran under caution they did. on every caution because that's the way I put it in there. Yeah. And how, that just showed you how many. I should have added them all up and uh, showed how many laps they, they wasted under caution because they wasted a lot of laps under caution. Yeah, with, they did. With 12, uh, 12 or 13 total cautions, and they're usually right around seven laps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say though, they didn't run, uh, they didn't count the formation laps in the stage breaks though. So that was a, that was a good thing. Cause that's a usually another 10 laps. They waste sure. right there too. Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be a good one. Uh, dirt track rules. Don't count caution laps. Uh, but yeah, I would do day two last chance qualifiers on a main show day with an, with an main That's a hundred laps with a fuel stop at lap 60. Okay. That would be my only stop in the race right there. Um, because that kind of that kind of puts it into a way where it's like you know we could make it a hundred laps or we could put new tires on and see if this if this thing and let her eat you know and yeah. go after it so i'm uh I'm all for that, and I' bring Mike van Gendren in as a race director for the whole thing too because <laughs> nice. and you're sporting his shirt today, <laughs> yep, of course <laughs>
0: that's awesome <laughs> so um I've got uh one one cool thing that uh, that came in the inbox yesterday, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. uh, Yesterday it was announced the NASCAR Hall of Fame opened a new exhibit, NASCAR 75, Moments and Memories. It's located in the Great Hall. It's uh, celebrating NASCAR's 75th anniversary. The exhibit provides a well-rounded look into the sport's storied past and includes 10 themes, 6 told through cars and 4 told through artifact cases. The display will be available for guests to see and experience from April through November of this year. NASCAR 75 Moments and Memories. They say it's an in-depth look at iconic artifacts and cars representing all eras throughout the sport. Guests will experience the following six cars and themes. Racing on the beach, Glenwood 1954 Ford Sportsman, Innovation Drives the Sport, Buddy Baker's 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona. That That
1: was a good car.
0: Yeah. The American sport, Donnie Allison, nineteen seventy nine Olds Cutlass four forty two. To be the Hawaiian Tropic car, okay. remember from the, yeah, yeah. the seventy
1: nine Daytona
0: five hundred. Yep. Uh, NASCAR's family heritage, Bobby Allison's nineteen eighty seven Buick Lesabre, the Miller High Life car. Yep. Thank you, fans. Rusty Wallace, two thousand five Dodge Charger. Participation
1: award here. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. He was he was yeah he was washed up by then. We couldn't <laughs> find anything else from 2005. <laughs> and then the
0: Celebration of Champions Tony Stewart 2011 Chevy Impala.
1: One of my favorite years as far as uh, the NASCAR championships go, Tony Stewart really got into Carl Edwards' head towards <laughs> the end of that one. It was it was a fine display of psychology.
0: Yeah. It says guests will also experience four artifact cases, each with a unique perspective in celebration of the sport's 75th anniversary with themes including founding, highlights the start of NASCAR, and includes a 1940 Bill France pre-NASCAR trophy, Military, it celebrates NASCAR's commitment to honoring the military and serving our communities through showcasing NASCAR Hall of Famers who served in the U.S. military and includes the World War II Army uniform of Raymond Parks.
1: They've done some work on this. Yeah, they have.
0: <laughs> Past tracks, it celebrates race tracks throughout the sport and includes Fred, Fred Lorenzen's 1963 North Carolina fi- 500 trophy and then diversity. It spotlights many within the sport who broke barriers and includes Wendell Scott's fire suit.
1: That's pretty cool.
0: It right. is. I really like that. Yeah. It says, uh, in addition to viewing the cars and artifact cases on display, guests will have the opportunity to learn about and relive many of the key moments and memories from the past 75 years. The graphic panels provide authentic storytelling about NASCAR's history and heritage and the legends who made it happen. Images of the brand new exhibit can be found online at the NASCAR Hall of Fame website Uh, so here it's got some information, general admission tickets. Uh, you can get them online or through Ticketmaster. $27 for adults, 24 for seniors with ID, $20 for military with ID 20 for youth, four through 10 and free for members and children three and under. That's cheap. I
1: got one kid that can, that can get
0: in for free. Yeah. Out of four. But you look at this, I mean, you look at the $27 for adults. I've been to other museums that want more than that. You know what I mean? I yeah. to, to me this is this is cheap. It would be a cool experience and you you uh uh on top of that, this is a limited time offer here. Um it's happening April through November. You know, it's yeah. just this year. So, I I think this is pretty pretty neat wanted to get the word out on that. I think it's uh, uh be a pretty sweet experience to go check out.
1: I uh, I agree with you. I, I would love to go check that one out sometime. Uh and you know, while you're in North Carolina, there are a lot of other places you can go check out too cuz that's where all the shops are for yep. most of the drivers and they oh, have yeah. their own little exhibits at their place too and um of course, you know, there's there's racing that happens all over the place in yeah. that area. Yep. So,
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah, fun little trip. Yeah, it would be. So, Uh, Next Sunday, or this coming Sunday, I should say, April the 16th, they will be at Martinsville Speedway. That's got a 2 o'clock start time. Advertised start time. Advertised start time, and that is back to cable, FS1.
1: Yes, you are correct, sir.
0: All right, let's move on to our winner views section. We have Mike Van Gendren on the line. He is a racer, a promoter, a track prep guru for the Bristol Dirt Race, and the winner... Of one of the best races that Corey Litton claims to have ever seen, Mike. Welcome to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.
1: Thank you, guys. Hey, Mike. Uh, so let's let's get us started with this. The Cinderella started uh, Cinderella story started here with uh, where did you get started in racing and you know when do you what are you some of your first memories of uh, getting after it?
2: Well, I after college, I don't know why, but I got into figure eight racing. I bought my first car for thirty five dollars turnkey. And it was one of the best cars, and that's how I got started racing, racing figure eight. Raced figure eight for many years, got a hobby stock through the time frame, and I've raced, I've actually raced every single class, from a late model to a hobby stock um, in every type of race. So I've won in them all except for, well, late model racing figure eight also, but uh, I've won in every class
1: except for a late model in an oval race. So what, uh, what class do you prefer? Uh, I know obviously you were quite the, quite the modified ACE from what I remember watching, uh, getting to see uh, you race, but what, what do you prefer?
2: Um, I like, uh, I actually like the modified the best with the open motors, not the crates, but uh, I actually like the open motor modified racing the best stock car. I've done I was Ironman, uh, champion years ago with the USMTS. You know, I was over 10 years ago, but, uh, I like the I like the stock cars with the bigger motors, and uh, um, so I kind I'm more of a motor guy. So the the crates are fun, but uh, the open motor my my most fond time is open motors in Boone 14, 15, 16, 17. Those years were a blast.
1: So you uh, I'm wearing one of your shirts right now, the one that I got uh, when you're down at East Bay that, that that one time when I I got to announce one of the best races these eyes have ever seen. And uh, you're the, uh, also like the 2014 Hawkeye Dirt Tour champion. Uh, kind of just tell us a little bit about that and, uh, you know, what that's uh, what it takes to get that one done.
2: Um, yeah, we did the Hawkeye Dirt Tour. I think I got second twice and uh, won once. So we were top two, three years in a row. Um, and then right before that, I did that stock car Ironman series when stock cars with USRA was real, real big and uh so we had a good few years there 2016-17 we won the Boone track championship um so we i guess when i was a little younger we uh through the about 2010 till 1819 we had some pretty good years through there with racing whatever class we were in so um yeah the east bay deal was fun that was kind of the opposite deal i said i like open motors they were all on open motors and i was on a crate and uh So I guess I had the opposite effects when I went down to East Bay and started, barely made the feature. I think I got with like two laps to go on a B main to make the show and then passed them all with my little crate. And uh, I remember David Ruderman was a great guy, obviously an old NASCAR driver, and uh, he was around the top with his $40,000 motor, and I was running the bottom with my little crate, and he blew his motor up, and we kept going. So uh, he goes, you wore my motor out. (laughs) I still remember him saying that, you wore my... So if I a 75 lap race he made for like lap forty or fifty and wars, wars stuff out.
1: I have uh right in front of me right now, I have basically your rundown from the the, the uh my race pass uh the rundown right now of every race that you're in for that one. Uh they took the top four in the heat races and you finished sixth that you had to go through the B main to uh to uh advance on to the A main out there, which you uh, you won, I believe, in the last lap. Um, right from what yep. I remember, and then you started twenty first and won the A main feature on that one, and that was, uh, and that was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. One uh, one of my favorite races, definitely, and I've seen many of them, and over a thousand races in the last ten years alone. So that was one of my one of my favorite races out there. So Mike, how many races do you think you've won?
2: Uh, we're probably two fifty to three hundred. and that's counting figure eight. Oh. I want. I was. Figure 8 was uh, huge uh, back in the 90s and 2 early before 2010 Figure 8 shows had 2 3000 people there tons of cars they had to limit the cars to 100 cars for uh, a mini <laughs> shows just to get wow. 100 cars limit and it was just a phenomenal deal that uh, the, my favorite race ever is Figure 8 because it was so <clears throat> so competitive so on the edge dangerous um when we were flying we had we had pretty much just fast cars you see racing and oval racing figure eight, but they were tanks and uh it was just a blast. So those years I'll never forget. We used to bring a hundred to two hundred people to the races, just our group. Um and it was they were, like I said the stands are packed, they couldn't keep enough kegs of beer for the fans and uh <laughs> I guess that's kind of the good old days. And now figure eight's kind of dead, but uh um yeah, so we've won about two, I don't know the exact number. We're on two fifty three hundred. Wow. But I've raced
0: 30 years, too. The, 30 the, years, so. Those figure-eight races, uh, did they have to pry your hands off the steering wheel at the end of the race? I mean, I, I imagine those are pretty intense the entire way through, right, or or not? I mean, obviously oh, yeah. you, you get used to it and you know what, what you're doing out there, but at the same time, you're probably... Uh, uh, working with, with other people who may be new or, um, not as, uh, maybe not paying attention as well, or t- talk to, talk to me about that a little bit of, uh, how, how it is behind the wheel of a figure eight race. Well, figure
2: eight, they put 16 cars in the feature and these are little tracks. So, I mean, I, Stewart's the one I own in Iowa, they were smaller than Stewart Speedway. So you got 16 cars on the track and uh going through the middle was all timing you never wanted to have to stop in the middle so you either had to slow down when you left the corner and time it or you had to aim left or right so uh, what i mean by left or right is left go before the other car or rights go on their back bumper and scare the crap out of them I, I always i was always the guy that went to the right tried to <laughs> so i could scare the crap out of them that i'm going to hit them and just well sometimes i did hit them but not always so but uh yeah and uh but no i got one of my highlights of that too, we got invited to go to the speed room in Indianapolis. Uh, they called me and they wanted me to go out there. So we went out there. It was a two hour race asphalt. I had a 5,000 pound car. These guys all had normal stock cars. So I had two, 3,000, I was double their weight. And we went out there two years in a row. We got third, third. And, uh, that was a blast out of a huge field of cars. We were running a double weight car. And, uh, Obviously, my times—I qualify It's kind of like East Bay. I qualified terrible, half starting the back because I had a heavy car, but we just outlasted them. And I remember the track champion uh, one one year. Uh, he tried to tried to intimidate me. He was trying to lap me one time, and uh, well, by the time he got to the middle, he had no wheels left in his car in the back, his rear end was out of his car, and uh, he didn't make it to the next corner when he tried to run over me and lap me. So, and then of course both times in indianapolis we had the cops there both times so we brought a little we brought a little excitement i had a lot of people around my trailer after the races so it was kind of fun
1: so have you ever seen a psychiatrist at all uh just wondering um actually no i have not i have not you're probably my psychiatrist you Corey. so that's about it yikes i think that is scary so you've had uh, we we've uh we've we, uh, we went over a, a movie on, a, on the checkers and records victory lap podcast here on KFGO.com and the KFGO app. And we, we went over a few weeks ago, there was a, a documentary about an Iowa racing, a family, um, it, well, a, a, kind of a mockumentary of it, I, I guess, uh, it, dramatization, yeah. but slightly documentary, um, uh, called, uh, at any pace, uh, yeah. a, and, um, where are the the figure eight tracks in Iowa I mean you kind of mentioned that it's kind of died off a bit here over the last several years but um uh where are where are where were some of the uh figure eight tracks that you raced at
2: well I ran Barn City watch Year, cigarette uh those are the tracks I ran around my area then indianola indianola Iowa which is south of Des Moines and Adele which is right by Stuart <clears throat> those were always the two big tracks and those were, those were the size of Stewarts, and uh, you went through the middle, and they were very, very fast. And uh, so I raced the small tracks for a long time. We got the right equipment. We went to the big tracks, and uh, so those are Central Iowa is where a lot of those are now. There are tracks in other places, but those were always the premier places to go. I'm talking 10, 20 years ago. Now they're all still running. Um, every one of those tracks are still running. They just uh, just like all racing sometimes, you know, sometimes you go through ups ups and downs through whatever type of race you're going through and they're just going through a downturn the last 10 years. And it's just mainly getting cars.
1: Now you've had some pretty gnarly wrecks over your career. Uh, what, what are some of the, uh, what are some of the bad ones? I know we've talked, uh, outside of the show, obviously on this one, but I, I know you've had some pretty, pretty bad wrecks in your, uh, your life. So what are, what are some of those?
2: Uh, my worst one was your 2000. I was down in, uh, uh texas and i uh, got hurt at uh it's closed now I'm drawing a blank on it right now it's where the two tracks were connected to each other um on the same property um which i should sure remember was traumatic but anyway as a uh shoot fort fort uh shoot dallas fort worth fort worth is where it was at okay and he went on the start to start my left rear hit a right front car went up in the air hit the wall with my head and went straight down. So it was a lot of blunt force. It was not a, it was a half roll on my lid. I was upside down for a half hour. My hand was almost off on my right side. And uh, I still remember Toby Cruz was down there at that time, Ron Millhouse uh, from uh, motor, uh, Midwest Motorsports many years ago. And so I was upside down and uh, went to Fort Worth. They had surgery there. They sent me home. I came home with a truck, wrecked car, truck trailer, pit crew, owner of the car. And when I got home within a day or two, my temperature spiked. My arm turned black and uh, got very, very sick. I went to Mercy in Des Moines late one night. They put me in the hospital. They said, We're cutting your arm off tomorrow. And I said, You're not, you're not, uh, blah, 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 cutting my arm off. And uh, six o'clock next morning, there's a huge snowstorm. So remember very, very well. They uh, took me to Iowa city cause I would not let them cut my arm off and, uh, got, I got lucky, got the top 100 physicians in the United States, put me right into surgery, cleaned it up. And seven surgeries later, I still have my arm. So one of the best decisions I ever made by being stubborn is, uh, <laughs> you're not cutting my arm off in Des Moines and they sent me to Iowa city. And obviously I don't have full mobility with my right hand for the last 20 some years, but I can use it. And, uh, just uh, that was a traumatic one for me. And I've been, I've been, I've had two or three bad concussions, got one in Boone about three years ago, and I couldn't even order food for about a week without, we couldn't even think straight. So, but uh, concussions and my broken arm are my bad ones.
1: Wow, that's, uh that's, that is, that is nuts. And of course, uh, uh, you know, lo- almost losing your arm like that. I mean, that's just got to be, that's, that's got to be crazy out there. So we're gonna, we're gonna switch gears here just a little bit. You've, you're, you've also become a promoter. Um, uh, what tracks do you run, and how did you get involved on the promoting side of it?
2: I started actually doing the Figure eights. I did Barn City. That's probably my first track I ever promoted, or ran a four of them. And then I did Jefferson, which is west of Boone. I made a figure eight track over there. And then uh, 2011 or 20 2012, I started promoting Southern Iowa Speedway, which is going to be closed. They were gonna be done. And uh, then I did the Lee County Speedway. Those are my first two, then Memphis, Missouri. And then I've kind of gone through and uh, still do Memphis. I've been in Memphis for over 10 years. I've owned Stewart Speedway now in year five. I just kicked off Independence Motor Speedway yesterday. We had a test and tune up there. And uh, we raced this Saturday, weather permitting. And uh, so we had a test and tune up there with about 30 cars, went real well. So right now I do Memphis bloomfield independence and stewart and then of course i do my the biggest sideshow i shouldn't say sideshow the biggest show you could ever do in your life which is bristol motor speedway for the nascar race i just got back from that and uh i think we threw on some tremendous race on uh, saturday sunday for the trucks and the nascars
1: yeah i uh i agree i i like watching it it was <laughs> uh, it was very very good racing out there uh uh, and uh, so getting involved in this in this Bristol stuff out here i mean what does it take to get that track to stay you know in good shape uh, obviously you've had there's a lot of laps that get turned on a, on that dirt track and how do you keep that thing in such good shape
2: um well i got the best crew over there uh the baker crew over there they have that when i get there the track is in phenomenal shape um i just kind of get there and put water where i need it i did something a little different this year um and i I kind of put some water in it pretty deep and I did some stuff of watering certain parts of the racetrack versus others. Kind of made it a little strippy and it worked out real well to make the right strips and the right grooves so that the NASCAR cars and trucks could uh, have multi lanes. If you watch the race, I mean there's pictures over there and they're four or five wide. I think there was twenty six hundred passes during that race, during the NASCAR race alone. And that's counting any position, which is like one of the most ever so they had lots of passes um like i said they were wide but we got the track to where we uh we had a completely rubbing the wall rubbing the bottom we didn't take no rubber and uh it was a phenomenal race on i, I didn't think they'd ever run again i hope uh they run again after this year cuz the serious radio i've listened to over the last couple of days and they're 99% uh absolutely just loving the race that they saw Saturday and Sunday
1: yeah it was uh, yeah again i'll I'll say I was, I was pretty happy with that race. I was, I was sitting there watching, uh, watching that with a couple of friends at a local establishment and we were all, all pretty impressed with that one. Um, you didn't, uh, get out of that, uh, this, this year's, uh, Bristol dirt or Bristol dirt race, uh, unscathed though. You, you got hurt again, didn't you?
2: Oh yeah. I just got, uh, had something fall on my toe, which was a lot of weight and just a freak accident and, uh, sucked. But, uh, Went to the it was right before the truck raid. were about noon, 11.30 noon. I got My toe got smashed. I went to the Bristol Care Center and said, I just need a Band-Aid. <laughs> and so I went in there, and they said, what do you got? And I said, well, I just got a little toe. So they made me sit down, and it's a good thing they did. Um, they made me sit down, took my shoe off, and they had like nine nurses around me immediately and a doctor. They x-rayed right there, crushed my toe, and the problem is I have a huge open wound on top of my toe. And I didn't really know this before, but if you have an open wound and broken bones, that's a bad combination for infection, and you can lose your foot. So, uh, yeah, so they sent me straight to the emergency room. I'm freaking out because uh, I got to be pre-watering that racetrack for the truck race. So uh, to the emergency room, I'm, I'm dating a nurse, so she goes, you're the worst patient ever, but I was in there in Bristol <laughs> the emergency room. And they're slow. I'm in a recliner, not even in a room. And she goes, "This could be six to eight hours." I go, "I can't. I got to be back in that racetrack by three o'clock. There's no ifs ands or buts." <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, they did the. They came out. They figured out my toe was crushed. And the guy comes out and goes, "Well, it's gonna be a few hours before we can get your toe uh, stitched up because uh, everybody's in surgeries." I looked at him. I go, "Can you do it?" And he goes, "I can." I go, I give you permission to do my toe, to stitch it up. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, are you sure? I said, yep, you stitch it up. I got to get the heck out of here. And I had an IV in me. I kept asking Michelle, I go, uh, is this IV done yet? Cause I knew I had to take that whole bag of IV of antibiotics. So they stitched me up. No nurses came in to clean me up. So I just told Michelle, clean me up. She cleaned me up my foot, you know, with all of the stitches and all the blood or whatever was all over. And, uh, we were out there by 3 o'clock, drove the racetrack about 70 miles an hour in a 25 zone, <laughs> and she went through the gate. She dropped me off at the gate, the big gate there at Bristol, jumped in the water truck immediately, and uh, got the racetrack ready for the truck race. So, sorry <laughs> was I'm man. a very bad patient. I'm a very impatient person anyway, <laughs> and you get it when I have the biggest job of my career that I have to get done, and I wanted to make sure everything was perfect. Uh, so, yeah, it worked out okay, but it was – now the trouble is I'm not supposed to be on this thing for six weeks, and you know, you know me being a promoter, and I think Independence yesterday. I was on my foot the whole day, so but I got a boot, I got crutches I've never used yet, but uh, yeah, we're hobbling around trying not to break, we're not, trying to get that toe to heal because it's crushed. Wow.
1: So when uh, when they were stitching you up, did it tickle a little bit? Like they accidentally tickle the bottom oh, of yeah, your feet
2: or anything? Yeah, oh yeah, it tickled great. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Mike Van and my is – I heart- was <laughs> I was in such a hurry that I just said, get it buttoned up.
1: <laughs> Mike Van Genderen is our guest here on checkers and records victory Lap on kfgo.com and the Kfgo app here uh, uh, and uh, Mike, uh, appreciate you taking some time with us here today on the on the on the show here and uh, Colin, uh, of course you know you're you're a busy man. And uh, I'm surprised they haven't heard the ding of your uh, one of your poker games going off in the background. Um, <laughs> it, so talk about that. You play a lot of poker. Uh, is that basically your 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 full time job? Uh well,
2: promoting is my full time job. But yeah, I play poker on the side. I don't get play as much anymore because I got three boys, and uh, I got a I got, I'm I'm a older dad with a younger kid, so I got a five year old. I have almost most of the time. So. I got to, uh, I don't get to play much poker anymore, so it's mainly work and uh, try to raise my three boys, so I got sixteen, thirteen, 16, 13 to five-year-old, and the five-year-old who's came in during this interview, he needed food, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's my, uh, he was with me all day yesterday at the racetrack, and uh, he's going to know racing real well by the time he gets older, <laughs> hanging out with dad.
0: That's awesome.
1: Speaking of which, uh, your oldest son, Rowdy, is uh, racing also as well, and, uh, um, how long? How many how many years does he have under his belt already? At sixteen years years of age,
2: so we kicked him off at fourteen, and uh, and then fifteen. Uh, he did real well last year. Should have had his first feature win, except for the promoter, which is dad had to throw the yellow. I thought it wouldn't be etiquette to have three cars sitting in turn four, and let him finish a couple last couple laps with those sitting there. So he got <laughs> passed on the restart. He won a quite a few heat races last year, and. Uh, He's done. Uh, he took my. Mo- he blew up the stock car. Actually, he didn't blow it up. Dallin Murdy blew it up just on pace last. It wasn't his fault. But uh, Stewart tested, too. So he goes, Dad, can I take your modified out? And I said, uh, No. <laughs> and well, guess what? He's in the lineup, area. He takes my modified out, and he kicked off some laps around the rim of Stewart that was just as fast as anybody that was there. So now he wants a modified. But uh, he's. Uh, he's. Get- I think this year will be a good year for him. Stock car class is just so tough in Iowa um it's tough for anybody to win no matter who you are so um but he's doing well he should be good this year and uh he's excited which is good i'm glad my boy's interested in racing versus other things you could be interested in this life anymore so he's uh he's a good kid and uh we're keeping him out of the stuff you shouldn't be doing
1: (laughs) so do you get more nervous uh when you're about to race or when your son's about to race oh definitely rowdy definitely rowdy so (laughs) Yep. It, it, you kind of touched on it there for a second about how it's so tough to win out in Iowa. Iowa's the hub of the IMCA world as far as racing goes where, I mean, you guys have tracks that are running on top of each other and they still get pretty good car counts that in, in, I mean, how, how competitive and how tough is it down there in, in Iowa and that territory down there for to, to be good at racing?
2: I don't think there's any other state in the nation. that's as tough as Iowa. And uh, especially the IMCA ranks, there is no track, no state that is tougher than Iowa. And you can, I don't, you know, you look at the Super Nationals champs, you look at champs of all the races, and yeah, Iowa's just got a lot of talent. So it's, uh, there's just a lot of drivers in Iowa, which is great <clears throat> from the promoting side, but we also have a lot of racetracks. You know, some states only, should you go down to Arizona, there aren't, aren't hardly any tracks, or well, Nevada or any of those at California. And uh you come out here to Iowa and there's almost a track every county. So it's uh there's a lot of tracks to go to, a lot of racers, and uh which makes the competition fierce.
1: And and also how tough is it to to put together a good product like uh what you do and you know, stay you know, stay afloat in such a you know, busy busy area as far as racetracks go.
2: Yeah, you just anymore I've learned I've learned through the years you gotta run you gotta have a good racetrack which you're not going to get every time, but you better have a good racetrack 75, 80% of the time, minimum. You better have it racy, and uh, and you better put on a good show, which I always start on the dot, maybe even a minute or two early, or earlier than that. Always start on time, get the show done quick, and I'm not the promoter who does a track where you got what you got, guys. Have fun tonight. I'm going home, or whatever. So we work on the tracks, like Test and Tune last night. I had my buddy Trent Chin come over and help me, and Dana bending. And we had a test and tune last night. We were on that racetrack for just a test and tune. We were probably on there 15 times last night, just making sure the track was good and got better through the night. And uh, we do that as promoting too. We try to make sure it's all you can ask for is racy. If you watch the NASCAR race at the stage breaks, which you didn't get to see that because it's commercial, we have five minutes to go get the track racy, and that is the whole key to that NASCAR race. Was if you notice at the end of that race, there was a top. And, uh, the reason it was the top is because we manicured it on them stage breaks.
1: Hmm. Well, wow, Yeah. I, I kind of figured that, uh, and they showed a, a brief thing. I think it was during the truck race where the, it was one of the, one of the, um, one of the little, the tillers were going up there it, it, and they showed basically just a brief thing. And then sometimes you could kind of see the water truck going by, uh, it, in the background of some of the shots too. So, yeah, I know you were out there. Now, did I hear it right that you got interviewed on Sirius XM Radio while you were in the water truck?
2: Yeah, they've done that every year. Um, they've they, The guy, same, I can't remember his name, but the same guy is always in there with me. And uh, every year he's done it. And he went out there for the second stage. And uh, the trouble is, the, if you notice, if you watch the race, the cushion was along the wall. Well, the trouble is when you're along the wall, you got to make sure you don't spot any water on the racetrack. And the trouble is you got caution lights everywhere around that racetrack, and you also have mirrors on the water truck. So we were going probably about 50, 60-mile-an-hour on the top of that racetrack on a water truck, making sure I didn't hit the mirrors. I got a microphone in my mouth and uh, making sure I only got the corners, didn't hit the wrong switch in the water truck because there are six switches to hit, and if you hit the wrong one, we're in deep trouble. (laughs) And uh, so I was doing the interview 60-mile-an-hour on the racetrack, trying to not hit the caution lights within an inch. And uh, so I don't even know what I said. But I was, kept looking at him and looking to make sure I wouldn't hit nothing. So, But we were flying when we got done. He goes, man, year one and two, I was scared to death. Today, I felt comfortable. That's what he said afterwards. <laughs> kind of cool.
1: Well, uh, Mike, I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking some time with us here. Before we let you go, though, uh, you got anybody you'd like to thank uh, just just uh, off the top of your head?
2: Uh, just want to thank everybody that's ever given me an opportunity. So that's the kind of the key in this business is getting the opportunities, um, which Got me up to, I think, uh, SMI, Bristol Motor Speedway, for the opportunity there to, like I said, actually do the biggest job you could ever do for what I do, you know, preparing racetracks. There's nothing bigger than doing the NASCAR dirt race. So I just appreciate people that give me the opportunity to show what I can do.
1: All right. Well, Mike, uh, thank you again for taking some time with us here today. Uh, hopefully uh everything goes well for you down uh down in Stewart and all, all the other tracks that you run too, as well. I know Stewart's one of the top uh tracks that I've I've gotten to visit over the the year so. Again, thank you and uh and good luck and hopefully maybe I can uh, get down there one of these times this uh this year. So, uh, we'll talk to you some other time soon here bud. All right, have a great day guys. Thanks, Mike. All right. Well, that was a
0: great interview with uh, Mike uh gr- mike van what well, yeah and
1: uh tough as nails yeah tougher than a two dollar steak so this is this uh bring uh, i had to bring up this point i threw a reference in there and i know he kind of chuckled a little bit Um uh, the when i said the one of the best races these eyes have ever seen uh-huh um so you talk about and you talk about how tough his nails as he is i've messed with him a lot of times <laughs> so he came with on the dakota mod tour one year and when we were sitting one time, he was losing at his his poker game. Uh, we we're sitting at a Buffalo Wild Wings after one of the races in, uh-huh. in Minot, and um, he was not in a good mood at mm-hmm. all. Uh, you know, usually at the end of a night, sometimes you got to vent, yeah, you let it out. Yep. You know, we're in a competitive business, and it, it brings out emotions, and you just gotta you gotta work them out. Yep. And <laughs> we we just so happened to not get seen by by a, a server at all for quite a while. Okay. and that was kind of weighing on him a little bit. We had one of our, one of our co-announcers, Chad Meyer, he, or my co-announcer Chad Meyer was with. His son Rowdy was sitting there too, and then we also had another uh, another guy that worked on the uh, broadcast crew that was with us too, named Scott Bargloff. And I know, I thought, what could I do to make this situation better? <laughs> And I noticed that they had a TouchTunes Tunes jukebox. So I'm looking through things, and I'm like, what would work? And I played a couple songs that were really awful, uh-huh. but nobody noticed. Sure. So I figured, okay, uh, I got to step this up a bit. I noticed that there's seven different versions of the song These Eyes by The Guess Who. Okay. <laughs> and I played all of them in a row. <laughs> and I think by the third time, um, <laughs> the third time it, it played through... Chad looks at me and gives me a look and I look back at him and he's like, I'm like, don't and give him a don't, don't give this away. The yeah. Thing. <laughs> don't out me on this one. And then by the fourth time, Scott looks at me and gives me the same look. They, they both figured it out. <laughs> Mike's playing his game and you know, we keep hearing the ding of his, his game going off and that interrupt every rant. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, by about the fifth time it played, he looks at it, he he looks around and he goes, "Did we just hear this song?"
0: <laughs>
1: then it plays again and he goes, "I don't even like the guess who. This music sucks." <laughs> and, and again, we're not getting seen. Well, you know, I it, it ended up playing probably 14 times. Wow. Yeah, and he was just getting more aggravated as it I, went. I would imagine. Then uh, the next day, he's making the walk to the flag stand and throw the flags in there and it's 84 steps to the top of the grandstands at uh, in Minot. So I start playing it immediately. I cut the music that I was already playing and changed it right to it. And he just turns and looks up to the top of that grandstand like he was going to come up there and kill me. <laughs> but then realized how far of a walk that was. And he just put his headset on angrily and threw the flags in there hard. And then we went back to Buffalo Wild Wings the next night. And... um he basically negotiated better service for us. Oh, okay, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, so I turn and look to his his son, and I play the song immediately. And his rowdy says, "Oh, that was you doing that?" <laughs> and it start the song starts playing, and Mike just, "That was you doing that? Why couldn't you play something better, like Barbie Girl or Britney Spears or something <laughs> like that?" <laughs> anything i chewed them out last night for this <laughs> because their music sucked <laughs> so yeah it was uh, i've messed with them a little bit on that one then there's one time in vegas where we're working down there and i was testing a microphone out and the first thing i do is I, uh, i'm like instead of saying check 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 that gets boring after a while and i had to walk through the whole front straightaway, and it's about a, it's a half mile racetrack okay. so i was trying to find every dead spot that there possibly could be and we, we didn't so instead i just started singing these eyes <laughs> <laughs> And he he comes up to the he comes upstairs into the tower and goes this guy doesn't quit does he <laughs> and <laughs> uh, as soon as I was done singing that song a bunch of people came out of the the tower and you know, gave me an applause and everything because I actually hit the notes mm-hmm. and I, I come back upstairs he's yep. standing there waiting for me at the elevator he goes nice job and he just completely tur- twisted both nipples on, uh, on me nice job on the song <laughs> oh boy and there's a lot more to than oh, I, that. I, I keep hitting them with it <laughs> i
0: bet so well that was fun it was a good interview yeah. i like that a lot great so, guy yeah moving on we have
1: uh world of outlaws action last weekend that's right friday april 7th was the osborne sprint car showdown at us 36 speedway in osborne missouri Carson Macedo took the lead right away, but the race pace slowed on lap number five because a cone got kicked up onto the speedway. No. those pesky, pesky cones. It happens. Yeah. Uh, Sheldon Hoddenshield challenged for the lead, but again, the yellow flag flew this time for Debris on lap number nine. That allowed David Gravel to join the party at the for the lead, and they traded sliders with Macedo on uh, the top spot until Hoddenshield blew by both of them on the high line. A beautiful line. A beautiful move, by the mm-hmm. way. While those two were dicing it out, he just... He just put it all the way up on the top and just went right around him. It was great. (laughs) Uh, That might be the move of the year. Uh, The yellow flag flew once again, though, when Aaron Reitzel spun in turn number two just a couple of laps later. Uh, Macedo got a great restart and threw a slider on Hodden Shield, taking the lead out of turn number two. Hodden Shield returned the favor for the next set of corners. The two drivers continued to trade the lead, but on lap 18, the red flag would come out for Casey Kane, who flipped in turn number three. He just got... uh, Added to that 75 greatest drivers for NASCAR list here. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So Jimmy Spencer can't be far behind. Uh, Masito <laughs> and Brad Sweet fought for the race lead, but the caution again would wave for point leader David Gravel, who threw it hard in the turn number one, and he spun up and he hit the turn one wall hard on lap number 22. Sweet and Macedo threw sliders at each other again for the lead, which allowed Hodden Shield to rally back and challenge as well. Hodden Shield got by Macedo on the top side of the backstretch, with five to go, Hodenshield went on for the win on uh, his dad Jack's 65th birthday. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, he took the lead basically with a Jack Hodenshield like <laughs> move uh, earlier on in the race. Uh, Macedo finished in the second spot. Sweet finished in third. Donnie Schatz finished in the 11th spot. And Fargo's Taco Timmy Estensen finished in the 20th spot. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it was nice to see Timmy uh, make it in uh, through, the, through the heat race, too. He didn't have to go through a B-man or anything like that. You know, he's a young, young kid. Mm-hmm. And I watched him race to the go-kart track when he was just a little, little fella. Sure. Uh, So Uh it's cool to see him, you know, doing not so bad here on the, the top level of the sprint car divisions. Yeah, that's neat. And we moved on to Saturday, April
0: 8th. That was the Jason Johnson Classic. That was at 81 Speedway in Wichita, Kansas. Corey, why don't you take this one?
1: It was the Rico show on Saturday as Rico Abreu fought off Carson Macedo on lap number one and never relinquished the top spot. Justin Peck brought out the yellow when he spun in the infield on in lap number five. The following lap saw a three-car incident between er- uh, Brad Sweet, Ayrton Jeniton, and Justin Peck. Uh, on the next restart, Red flag came out for a double rollover, this time featuring Aaron Reitzel and, you guessed it, Justin Peck, who was involved, I think, in every yellow, at least three in a row, and... Um, Carson Macedo closed in on Rico as the laps wound down. Macedo had a huge run off the top of turn number two with two to go, but Rico was able to shut the door. Rico Abreu held off the Jason Johnson racing car being driven by Carson Macedo to win the Jason Johnson Classic with David Gravel finishing in third and Donnie Schatz ended up finishing in the 13th spot out there. Points look like this right now. Carson Macedo is your point leader with 1,684 points. In second, it's David Gravel, who's only eight points behind. He was the point leader coming into this weekend, though. So that was a tough tough uh, weekend for David Gravel. Brad Sweet is in third. He has, he has uh, 20 points behind. Logan Shuhart in fourth, 58 points back. Buddy Kofoid, 66 points back. Donnie Schatz is currently sitting in seventh, 136 points out of the top spot. What's next for the Outlaws? Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th, Federated Auto Parts Speedway at I-55, Speedway in Peebley, Missouri, a track that was heavily featured in almost every PlayStation 2 racing game, that dirt racing game that came out, as well as the current World of Outlaws game that is on PlayStation 4 and 5.
0: Nice. Okay. I should should check that out. I haven't raced a dirt race on... uh... Uh, any any sort of uh, gaming system for quite a long time. So. Oh, I love it. It's
1: yeah. uh, uh, that uh, it ranks way up there as far as uh, video games that I've played. Okay. Um, I mean, the, the the original World of Outlaws game was good to begin with uh-huh. the, uh, on PlayStation Two, and it still kind of holds up. Mm-hmm. It's you know obviously it's not the greatest anymore sure. because there's been two different or three different platforms now that have come out just for PlayStation alone. Yeah. Three different consoles. Right. Yep. So, it, it, but. Yeah the the current game is good but the old one still still is fun to play. Yeah. I mean you can still throw sliders at everybody sure. and stuff and you know the tracks are cool looking. Yeah. Um other although I55 Speedway on the on that game is really difficult on uh, PlayStation 2 because if you go up just a little bit too high you hit where the gap is in the back straightaway and oh. it just it launches your car.
0: Sure. <laughs> no, no
1: good. <laughs> so I I catfish along the bottom of that racetrack as much as I possibly can.
0: <laughs> All right, locals racing nationally. We had some racing on Friday and Saturday, April seventh and eighth. The Awakening Part Two at Shelby County Speedway in Harlan, Iowa, on Friday. Grand Forks is.
1: Brendan, Brendan, Mullen.
0: Brendan Mullen finished fifth on Saturday. Brendan
1: finished third, and Tim Estensen finished eleventh. That's right. Yeah, Timmy. Uh, Timmy did a good job there. A little Taco Timmy or t- Timmy Tortilla. Yep. He, he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah, uh, it goes with his sponsor. Um, after that, we had the IMC Frostbuster, which Friday was at the Marshalltown Speedway, in Marshalltown, Iowa. Sport mods had Willow City's Jordan Albright who finished in the 17th spot. Botnos Gabe Desha, he finished in 19th. Uh in the stock cars it was Brainerd's Tim, uh, Tim Gonska finished in 16th spot. Modifieds uh Brainerd's Mark Prisser who finished in 5th in the B main he was one spot out did not make the main event. Uh Hobby stocks Brainerd's Scotty Heron finished in the 3rd spot. You know, great effort on the part of him and he was in contention for a lot of it. Um uh, as well he had a shot at winning that one. Uh, Billy Heron finished in the 13th spot in the Sport Compacts. We had the uh, New York Mills driver, Travis Roush, who finished in the 8th spot. Saturday, they went to Boone, Iowa.
0: Yeah, so in the modified, Mark Prusser finished 7th in the B-Main. In the stock cars, Tim Gonska finished 14th. Moved to Sport Mods, Jordan Albright was 8th in the B-Main and Gabriel Deshaw in 23rd. And then in the hobby stocks, we had Billy Heron, 3rd in the B-Main, and Scott Heron, 19th
1: that's right uh tuesday april 11th and this is a big one here the inaugural high limit sprint car series at lakeside speedway in kansas city kansas had uh uh they had over 53 sprint cars for that one from from all of the top divisions that's cool including world of outlaws ira all-stars you know you name what division you name any division and you had them there a fifty thousand to to win sprint car show. That's nice. On a Tuesday, <laughs> uh, there was a scary moment at the beginning of it because Jake Newman had an issue with his right front tire, which caused his car to turn abruptly right going into corner number three during qualifying. He had to be airlifted out, but the good news was he was awake and alert. And uh, from just checking out some of the Facebook posts earlier today, it sounds like he he's doing well, uh, which is the greatest news. Especially after the uh, the the news that we had earlier in the week, where Justin Owen Owen passed away in a, mm-hmm. in a sprint car wreck too, so it was just great to see that he's okay because two in a week is just I mean one's bad yeah, and two is just even way worse yeah. But uh, Rico Abreu looked to have the race one early, but unfortunately suffered a flat tire after contact with a slower car that handed the lead and the win over to Hot Sauce Giovanni Selzi who passed eight cars to pick up that win. Second went to Carson Macedo, had to come through a B main. By the way, Carson Macedo, one of the top outlaw sprint car drivers in the country, had to go through a B main. (laughs) That's how tough this event was. He passed 20 cars to finish in second. Third went to Sunshine, Tyler Courtney. Uh, Fourth went to David Gravel. And fifth went to Kyle Larson. Heard of that guy? I've heard of him. Uh, Donnie Schatz finished in the eighth position. He was up towards the front uh, early on, but just kind of faded back to the eighth spot. Timmy Estensen made it in. Uh, made it in uh, and finished 21st. Brendan Mullen finished 15th in the C-Main. He did not make the show, but it was uh, that was a big event for sprint car racing because, I mean, at the top level, all you know is the world of Outlaws. Really. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you have everybody else underneath. Yep. You know, I would say like the All-Stars, the ASCS, they are all the, you know, kind of the, kind of the lower levels, but they're they're near the top. Um but you had a, you had every every sanctioning we had NOSA, we had IRA, we had All Stars, you had the World of Outlaws all represented during this fifty thousand dollar to win sprint car show. And again it was on a Tuesday and it was a big that's, big race. That's good times. So that was uh pretty awesome uh to see that out there. Uh what's next we got coming up? Well uh, all along with everything we kind of mentioned before, with the World of Outlaws uh, racing this weekend, as well as NASCAR coming up Friday, April fourteenth, Saturday, April fifteenth, the XR Super Series at the Volunteer Speedway in Bull's Gap, Tennessee, live on XR. It's a uh, on Saturday, hundred thousand to win for the Super Late Models. <whistles> They're expecting a pretty big, big crowd. Uh, I know last night they did a they did a show like a little podcast kind of thing. They had. Scott Bloomquist uh, social uh, social hour i think is what they called it so they had you know they always entertaining Scott Bloomquist along with Tyler Erb and uh, Kyle Strickler three of the you know more entertaining and controversial drivers <laughs> that are out there and uh, that was a that was a fun and interesting show to listen to out there cuz Scott Bloomquist is out there <laughs> i mean he was on the Dale Jr download and talking about how uh, it, talking about what um what spaceships you should get on and what's, which ones you should avoid.
0: <laughs>
1: and he was serious. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's funny. It'll be a good race. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited to watch that this weekend along with all of our other stuff, too. So
0: Yes, it'll be another good week coming up. So, uh, again, thank you to Mike Van Gendren for uh, joining us this week. We hope you uh, enjoyed this episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap podcast. That's kfgo.com or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Podcast. So for Corey Litton, I'm Ryan Janke. We'll see you next time. Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.